good songs, fellas. Hey. <laughs> and I love worship. I can come into the house of the Lord and just worship and not even have the word a lot of times. Uh, it just, there's just something special when the Lord finally got a hold of me and I learned about worship and started pressing into worship. Woo! That's a game changer, man. Uh, I can remember being at a church in Nortonville, Kentucky. Pastor Howard Jones is the pastor down there. And I hadn't been in Kentucky very long in Teen Challenge. Just come out of jail, struggling. And uh, I was standing there in a worship service. And I'd never been in a worship service like that until then. Most of the churches that I had frequented when I was uh, younger and I was running were smaller country churches. Oh, I had never really been to a church really much bigger than this. And uh, when I walked into that place, man, it was like they had a full band. They had electric guitar. They had uh, drums. They had the bass guitar. And they're in there just rocking it, dude. And I remember standing there in worship. And everyone's got their hand raised. And everyone's worshiping. And I'm looking around because of the background and where I come from. I wasn't used to something like that. Man, this is different. I'm sitting there looking and saying, Lord, what a mockery of the house of God this is. These people don't even know the Lord in here. What? Look at this, man. This is crazy. Where did I just come to? I come to a Christian program and they're going to bring me into this is a rock concert, man. And the Lord, it's like that moment. I didn't hear an audible voice, but it's like the Holy Spirit just revealed to me. He's like, Jeremiah, really? These people don't even know the Lord. You've got it figured out and you know me so well. You just come out of jail and a needle hanging out of your arm smoking a crack pipe. Can't hold a job. But these people don't know the Lord. And I thought, this it broke me, man. I, t- I, I can remember standing there and the feeling that come on me. And it's like the Lord was speaking to me. He said, I need to make all things new. Just step out. And I remember raising my hand for the first time in worship. I had never raised my hand in worship before. And it's like the heavens opened up for me. I can't even begin to explain it. Just a little simple act of obedience. Something simple like that, just worship. Because I was in a time of need. God had placed me in a position, in an environment to meet that specific need. And all He needed me to do is say yes. And, uh, and I, I give that testimony to help people that may be uncomfortable in different environments come in. And some of the things uh, that we talk about and the, the teaching may be a little bit different than what you are used to because it will require something of you. But whenever you say yes to God... It doesn't matter as long as it comes from His holy word. Because it's from God. You can, like Charles Stanley always used to say, just say yes to God and leave the consequences to Him. That night, I remember walking up to the altar. They had a big, there was probably 300 people there that night. And the the whole altar was full. And I walked up there for prayer service. And a guy looked at me from clear across the stage, man. 
It's like he's seen me coming up. I had never seen him before. And he's like, he sought me out. He comes over. He said, can I pray for you? I said, sure. He laid his hands on me. And it's like the man read my whole life story. And I remember standing there in that church, in that atmosphere. God had just placed me in, plucked me out of a, out of a penitentiary. They say, place me in there. And I remember the feeling that come over me. I'm standing there, this guy's praying over top of me, and I'm having revelation, and it's just like there was a connection there. And I thank God for that opportunity because that was one of the, one of the many that I have experienced in this journey with the Lord where things was changing in my life. Spiritually, God was bringing me to other levels of awareness of His presence. And it's about just saying yes to God. Um, when we say yes to Him, in the presence of God, change cannot stand. You know, if you're struggling in the house of the Lord tonight, and uh, you come here, I don't know, for whatever purpose. Maybe it's just to be around the people of God. But maybe there's deep-rooted issues that you deal with that's unaware of people around you. But it's something that you're seeking freedom for. We want nothing more than to create an atmosphere in this place that's been birthed and bathed in prayer and support from men and women of God that love the Lord, that love the Word, and want to see men and women set free to be able to walk in the joy of the Lord in all circumstances, in all places, at all times. And that's what our desire is tonight. And I pray as that portal opens tonight for you, that you'll be able to be encouraged this evening. First um, John one nine, the Lord says that if we can we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's something that's interesting about that verse that I mentioned here when we first started these meetings. That I believe God has us in a process right now, each and every one of us that's come to know the Lord. Maybe we've confessed our sins, we've had a salvation experience, but there's these burdens, these hurts and scars that we carry in life. See, the Lord says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But then He goes a step deeper, which actually correlates with Psalm 147.3. The Lord says, I, I will heal the brokenhearted and I will bind up their wounds. See, he goes on to say, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That cleansing you can relate to, see, back in Bible times, if you've been standing caught guilty of a crime, there's many different punishments that you could receive for the crimes that you committed. There was one that they would take you outside the city walls. They would tie a rope to you and drag you behind a horse until death. Through the rocks, through the desert, being drugged to death because of the crimes that you have committed. And the Lord says that when I come into your life, as we're all being drugged through this life, receiving wounds, we're receiving bruises through process of time, through life experience, He says, I will cut the rope. But when I cut the rope, there's something miraculous that happens in that moment. He says, I cut the rope and your being drugged stops the crime. The crime has been forgiven. But you've been drugged for so long and wounded and things have happened in your, to your physical body. Things have happened to your emotions, your mind, through experience that causes these deep festering wounds. He said, I desire to be a God that comes in as a physician 
into your life to help heal those hurt places. I want to heal those hurt places from past broken marriages. I want to heal those hurt places of failures in life, that, of, of uh, thinking that we was going to succeed in areas and we find ourselves falling flat on our back from, from drug addiction, from alcohol addiction, from sexual addictions, from anger, bitterness, whatever it is that have caused these deep wounds. He said, I need you to know that I have forgiven you But there's still a residue that's left even after we've been forgiven that only my presence can heal. You see, and that's as we start to grow more in the knowledge of God and the more that we we learn to say yes to God and His plan as we come together in meetings like this, Sunday morning uh, worship, but when you're, when you meet in the house of God, that's what the house of God is. This, this is an atmosphere that's been cultivated and set for healing. Uh, but the healing that we receive here is going to be dependent Not just upon what Christ has done in the sanctifying work of the cross, but it's going to be dependent on what we do with what has been freely given to us. See, as we start to learn, as we, as addictions being broken off from our lives, as God starts to give us more freedom, see, freedom coming out from underneath of the control of life controlling issues. We're no longer uh, in the bar drinking every day. We're no longer uh, smoking dope. We're no longer putting needles in our arms. We're no longer looking at things on the internet and frequenting websites that uh, is uh, taking us to no good place and is destroying our lives. So that after we start to cut those things off, he said that as I start to give you more and more revelation of myself, and you start to be able to stand on your own two feet, so it seems, and now you're able to hold a job. Now you're able to, your marriage is starting to come together. He said, I don't want you to stop there. It's that we're to continue pressing forward towards Him. He says, as we, as we learn to be more obedient in the now, And as he gives us more revelation of himself, the more cleansing that we receive. You see, the more healing that we receive, the more bandages that he is able to put upon us. But when we come out from underneath of that presence, see, the moment that we decide that we're going to say, no, Lord, I'm going to do it my own way. Then the wound begins to go deeper. And when the ointment is taken off and the bandage is removed, because we say, Lord, I don't think you're going to be enough. Oh, I need to go find my own medicine now. Oh, because this has taken too long. I know you put a bandage on. I know you've done these things. I've, I've got relationships. I'm building friendships. I've, I've got godly people in my life. And as we are, as we moved in last week to uh, relationships, which is the, the fourth part of this five part study, that we got relationship with the Lord now. We're studying. We're praying. We're meeting with the people at the church. We're, we're building our, our old contact list is starting to dwindle down. So I don't know how many from last week 
actually took the time to go through their contact list on their phones, like we had talked about. How many people took the time to go through their mass media accounts? How many people took the time to go through their Facebook, their TikTok, whatever platforms that you frequent the most of, and to see how many of those conversations are links, are links to God, or if they're links to things that take us to no place of just oblivion in our mind that's not edifying the Lord in any way, but it's elevating self or it's elevating more chaos or it's just some random nothingness. You know, um, I work in the construction trade and there's uh, it's amazing how many people that you find are so captivated on their cellular device or on, on their phones now that uh, it's just like time. It's just like a, a glaze comes over and we've been on the phone. Some, sometimes you're on the lunch break. The next thing you know, it's, it's 40 minutes. I mean, it's just been, what have you been doing? Watching TikTok? Well, TikTok's on what? They can't even tell you. 40 minutes of our life just went by. It's like, well, was it that? You know, when you think in your mind, as the Lord has been training me through this process, most of the time when I'm on my phone... It's either look something up or it's on Bible Hub or I'm looking on something that's moving me closer to the Lord. If it's not moving me closer to the Lord, it's because it's a necessity that it's for something that I desperately need to find information out for work or otherwise. Oh, I don't spend time on TikTok looking at just random nothingness things because my life is too short and I know that when I start feeding these things into my mind, images can come across those platforms and they do it with such quickness. These images and things and words come across and it is intentional that it is done that way because it helps plant something in your mind. And see, as we're seeking the freedom of the Lord and we're seeking the freedom of the cross and we're seeking to become godly husbands, godly wives, godly fathers, godly mothers, it's imperative that we recognize the attack of the enemy and the relationships that we form outside of the walls of this meeting place and outside of the walls of this temple place of worship where this atmosphere has been set of praise, where we come in, we feel encouraged for this to continue on a daily basis outside of Sunday morning or Sunday night is going to require you to start taking some steps in your life to put God first. And that's what this whole ministry is about, or the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ is about learning how to put God first and not other things, not other people, not even ourselves. Because when God is first, Lord says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, forgive your, faithful and just forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We seek God's righteousness as we're being cleansed. All of these things will be added unto you, he says. That's your clothing, that's the money to be able to survive in life, that's relationship, that's joy, that's prosperity, that's peace, that's everything that's good that comes from God, comes in those moments of putting God first. So last week in uh, this study on relationship, our scripture was out of uh, Proverbs 19.20. He says, the Lord instructs us, 
as men and women of faith, that we're to listen to counsel and that we're to receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. He says, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. I don't know how many times in my life I've made these great big huge plans for life, whether it would be job, even living situations. I'll, I'll have something that I start stepping out into and I'll be moving into it full force because see, when I was an addict, I done everything 100, man. It was, it was, I'm, I'm all the way in it or I'm not in it at all. I can't be just part in something. That's just how God made me, man. Oh, when I was running for the devil, I ran for the devil. 100%. Oh, there was no and if or buts about it. Family didn't come first. Family wasn't even a, a part of the equation. Nothing was in the equation but what, what I had the desire on my heart. And that was basically where the next high was. Now, everything else that I had in mind that might have looked good, a job, might have tried to have family as part of it, they were an ends to a mean. That was all it was. I needed a job in order to be able to provide the money that I needed for my next fix. I need to be close to family so when I fell flat on my face, I had someone to maybe help pick me up or put another 50 in my pocket. Oh, and so people wouldn't look at me in a certain way if I really done all the things that I wanted to, oh, to the extent that I wanted to do it. So everything I had accumulated in my life was just pieces to this puzzle I was trying to put together like a chess game, and I played people like pawns. Oh, I played my ex-wife. I'd play my boss. I'd play the church, man. I'd play people of the church. And I would use them to whatever extent I needed to to get what I needed. I'm talking to the point of getting money, helping me to pay for certain utilities, bills. I'm reaching in to the church bank account, begging and pleading for every minister under the sun to come help bail me out of my circumstance because I wasn't doing the things that God had called me to do in order to take care of my home. So I would put all these pieces together and anything that I could find to help to help bring some sort of relief so I could have a little more opportunity to do the other things that I wanted that was more important in my life, like chase a bag of dope and wild women. And that was just basically what it was. Every relationship that I ever had was never a relationship because it wasn't based off from love, it was based off from self. Even my first marriage, the relationship was based off selfish things that I wanted to fulfill my own need. I never had a desire to meet any need of hers. No matter how much I thought or tried to twist and manipulate it in my mind. No, that's not who I really was. That's not what was really going on. Well, time proves everything. So when you get caught in the grinder of life and life's pressing in and people have needs outside of yours, when you find yourself wanting to meet your own need more than you're trying to meet the need of another, that causes, that's, that's an issue. And as part of God's plan for our life, He caused the relationships into our life that we have today to be life's, to be relationships that are glorifying to Him 
will, will cause us to have to come into a place of selflessness. So we start looking at the needs of somebody else more than even our own needs. See, and then that's how that relationships start to grow. That's when we really start to learn what love is. Is when we experience the love of the cross. Because you see, Christ loved us so much. Our Heavenly Father loved us so much. Even while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. And we're running rampant away from the Lord. The Lord still provide opportunities for us for life. You know, if you think of how many times that in the course of your lifetime... That you can look back and every one of us has had them. There were then God moments where we were placed around a certain individual. Or maybe we was placed in a certain atmosphere or place. Where if we really think about it, God was really trying to get our attention. But we really didn't want anything to do with him because our mind wasn't being bent toward God. We were just bent toward ourselves. It was it's all about self. But God was still trying to reach out in all of his love and compassion to us. And he didn't strike thunder down from heaven and lightning bolts and say, you're going to stop and you're going to think you're going to recognize right now, son, I'm going to put a lasso on you and you're either going to start following me or I'm going to kick you off here to the curb. No, the Lord don't do that. Thank God he never done that in either one in any of our lives, especially mine. The true love gives opportunity to fail. But see, when there's opportunity to fail, that means that we become vulnerable to the next person. And even in their failing, we're able to look past the failure and we're able to look past and we're able to look into the individual. And we're only able to do that through the lens of God when we're connected to God and our relationship with Him. And He is the one that is helping direct us to know what relationship is to be able to be there for somebody else. You see, so then our love and our companionship is no longer based off from their works that they give toward us and what we receive from them. It's based solely upon God's love for us. And because God loves us so much and he's been so merciful to us and so gracious to us. And as we start to be, our minds are opened up to the goodness of God each and every day. That he's able to take us to another place, another level spiritually. Church to where the enemy can't penetrate us any longer with the, with the things that he used to penetrate us to get our minds bent off from God because somebody hurt us. Somebody didn't react the way that I needed them to. You know how many times a council with addicts that are dealing with family issues, but because addicts are so selfish, See, we're very selfish individuals. Everything in our life, if you're an alcoholic, a drug addict, a porn addict, if you're a gambling addict, whatever it is that you have an addiction, it's a life-controlling issue, it's because we're selfish individuals. And see, as we start to grow into this relationship with the Lord, we still have that selfishness in us. It's, it's a wound as we're being, as we were drugged by the rope behind the horse, as the enemy drug us through life. And we had these cuts that come open on us. It's part of the selfishness in our life. There's our wounds of the enemy that have been placed there, but they are wounds because of sin. They're wounds because of disobedience to the Lord. They're, they're wounds because we're running from the Lord. And you see, as God starts to restore pieces of our life, unless that selfishness is cut off at the root, 
You will never be able to be there to go the distance for your wife. You'll never be able to be there and go the distance for your husband. You will never go the distance for your child that doesn't react the way that you need them to react to fulfill a need inside of you until we come past this place, until we have this revelation, until we sit long enough with God in the presence of God for Him to help identify some of these root issues that have controlled and destroyed our life. Every addiction is based off from a root of selfishness. It is the root. There is no other root but selfishness. Selfishness is the main key component to every addiction in life. You say, how can you say that? You don't know what I've been through in life. Well, that very statement is a very sign of the deep selfishness that's in us that we need someone to understand And I need you to react a certain way to me so that I can love you. But if you don't react a certain way, you don't call me, text me a certain way, you don't show up at a certain time when I need it. If all the cards don't line up and the heavens open and the rainbows come out, I can't walk with you the distance. I can't go with you this process of life. And you see, what you're finding in that process when we're caught in that trap, and we all find ourselves caught there, especially when we first come to know the Lord, and you will find yourself back in that place at times, but not as devastating as the first. If those things aren't dealt with, you will spend a lonely, miserable life, and everywhere that you try to connect to will be another failed attempt Not for you to love people, but to get people to love you. And it will start in your own home. Because you're cast off the very ones closest to you, even in your family, because they're not able to meet the need that only God is able to meet in our life. See? And when God meets that need and He brings that healing, something changes with inside of us. Now we're going to finish this... uh, Part 4 tonight, because right after this, in Proverbs 19, where he talks about the counsel of the Lord, and some versions say a godly counsel, which when he says to listen to counsel and receive instruction, he's not talking for us to go out and get any instruction, receive counsel from any place that's willing to give it. He's talking about looking at consistency in godly men and women of character that have virtue of the Lord in their life that's fruit, that you can measure a man or a woman by their fruit and by their consistency in their walk with the Lord. And he says that you may be wise in your latter days. See, relationship is imperative to our spiritual growth. We're never called to walk this thing alone. Everything God has ever done in the earth has been done in connection with people. Not just one person, multiple people. And that's what we call the church, the ecclesia, which is why you're connected here tonight. And he says, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. You see, the main part of that verse, I believe, speaks to the plans that we come, that we start heaping up these selfish desires and selfish things because I want to attain the things that I want to obtain. When we start stepping out of the counsel of God and we start looking more to our needs instead of the needs of others, he says, 
You have all the plans in the world. But just know I'm daddy. And I sit on the throne. And I will dictate your step. If you force me to. See, just like a child, as a father, a loving father that comes in as we're raising a child. If we know our child is getting ready to walk into utter destruction and they're going to destroy their life, if you have to, you will break their leg. Because you care enough about them, you will stop them from making the step. You see, and the Lord can do that in a lot of ways in our life. He can close doors that we thought was supposed to be open. And then we try to pry them back and then that causes frustration and things in the side of our life. And, and uh, he can do it through uh, job opportunities. He can do it through certain relationships that we have with, after we start going through a process of time. God starts to revealing to us that that individual probably isn't the best individual for us to have to be spending the majority of our time or receiving counsel or information from because it's not edifying God and it's not taking me more into a godly place in my relationship with the Lord. And he goes down and he says now, in verse 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. What a promise of God. He starts out with counsel relationships. What kind of relationships do you have? What do you spend the most time entertaining your mind, your eyes, your ears? Which leads to how you spend the most of your time communicating back. What is the main priority in all of these things? This is the first issue that has to be addressed. And he goes down and he says, now that we have this understanding, though you have a lot of plans, but I am the one who directs all of these plans. The counsel of the Lord, that's going to be the thing that stands because I'm a loving father. I'm kind, I'm merciful, I'm just. I have thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. Because he's a loving God. He's a loving father. He says now, when the fear of the Lord comes into our life, and that, that fear literally means in the, in the, in the Greek or in the Hebrew for us to, uh, to come into a place of adoration of, we come into a place of, it's not even a, a respect. It's a, it's an understanding, a revelation of where there's a connection to, there's that we reverence. It's really a deep reverence out of love. It's not just a reverence. See, you can reverence the law. You can reverence a police officer out of fear. And you obey the law out of fear because you don't want the consequence. But God calls us to a place of reverence for love. See, when we start reverencing God out of love because of what he has done for us. See, we're reverence things in life that's never done a thing for us. Because it's a necessity to live life. That's not the type of fear and the reverence that God desires out of a man's heart because he talks about wanting our, our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole innermost being. What we live for is what he wants to draw out of a man. 
And he says, when you learn to fear the Lord because your counsel's right, and now you know that I am allowed, you allow me to direct your steps so when doors close, when certain things don't work out, pan out the way that you thought, because you're in prayer, because you're in meditation to the Lord, instead of being taken out into a place of oblivion in our mind and emotions, God, I cannot believe you let this happen. I can't believe this door just closed. I can't believe this relationship just failed and how many relationships do I have to go through before one works and maybe the Lord's saying maybe I need to close this door you had steps you're trying to take these steps but I know what's best because I have a hope a future and a hope in store for your life and this is not going to be part of it it can't be part of it and if you force it to be part of it you're going to miss out on the greatest blessings of your life because it got God's not a taskmaster. He's not going to demand it. If we force the issue long enough, if we try to pry open doors or closed doors back open that has been closed, if we try to pry back relationships that God has removed for specific reasons, he will allow us to have what we want. But then when we get what we want, a lot of times through a process of time, we wish we had never got it. And then as addicts, we spend more time than blaming God and blaming everyone around us because we failed once again. How could they let us go to this place? Why didn't someone stand in the way and stop it? Well, maybe there's been many stops, but maybe you've been so self-focused that you just go over the stops been placed like a speed bump. And next thing, whew, what was that, man? I, you know, next thing, you go to, and the next one. And we totally, we totally miss it. Then we hit the brick wall. That's why the speed bumps were there to keep us from slamming into the side of the Walmart, you know, or some other obstruction that's going to cause us pain. So he says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. He who has it will abide in satisfaction and he will not be visited with evil. How many people are satisfied in the house of the Lord tonight? And that's not a trick question. That's just a reality question. That's just, that's just raw truth. How many people are satisfied right now where you are this very moment? Because a lot of times in my life, I'm dissatisfied with the things that's around me. And the Lord says, Jeremiah, here you are once again. Where's the joy? Where's the peace? Why are you so dissatisfied with where I have you right now? Well, it's because I stepped outside of godly counsel. I've made all kinds of plans. God might have closed doors, shut certain things down. But because I wanted it so bad, I'm spending time trying to pry it back open. Plus being a new place. Plus this. And I'm adding all these other things in. And my mind can't handle it all. And we become frustrated. You're trying to juggle the world. And we can only juggle so many things at one time for so long before things start falling. And then as they start falling, you're looking around. Oh my gosh this just broke and you're trying to keep the rest of it going next thing you know another thing falls to the ground and then the next thing you know if we don't stop in our juggling act and stand still for a moment everything will fall to the ground and shatter in our life and the only thing left standing in that moment 
is ourself looking at all the broken pieces, wondering what just happened. Marriage will be broken, finances will be broken, home will be broken, relationships will be broken, relationships in the church, the community becomes broken. And he says, I need you, church, I need men and women of God that are satisfied with the now. That's satisfied with where I have you right this moment. That person will not be visited with evil. You say, oh my gosh, you'll never be visited with any problems? That's not what that means. See, because you're visited with something don't mean you let it in. Every visitor that comes to my house don't get the door opened. They come knock all day long. Line up the street, stand out on the front yard and visit right there in the close proximity. But we're not in fellowship. It's not abiding inside of my present, inside of my home, inside of my mind. See, evil will be all around us. Problems will never evade us. We're going to have struggles, whether it's health issues, financial issues, just struggles of life. But when we know who our God is... Hey, and when we, and when we can stand and we know that we have been pressing into the counsel of God and we're doing the best that we can to serve the Lord and we're stepping into that place and we, and we, we're, we're living the scripture. We're starting to walk it out. We're experiencing, uh, all of these things start to happen in our life of freedom. God's blessing us in so many ways and bam, this unexpected thing just happened. Now, As a more mature man or woman of God, husband, father, mother, uh, whatever it may be, we're able to then in that moment, instead of being captivated and going into a place of oblivion, and now I need to go sit back on the bar stool, or I need to call Johnny back up and get a bag uh, for this week to help me make it through the pain, or I need to get on the internet and start looking up some porn to start feeding and easing these things going on in my mind in order to make it through this. Because of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we now no longer have to go back to those places of bondage for freedom, for joy, in order to be able to live a successful life. Because he says those who have the fear of the Lord, those who have the counsel of God, those who's being directed by God, those those who have put me in the place that I desire to be in their life, which is the head. He says, now everything that I have, because I'm the head, is going to start flowing down to you. And as I stay as the head, and as we make steps and adjustments into our life to keep Him at the top, the blessing and the overflow of God will naturally come down upon our life. And it's not that we won't get visited with evil. It's standing in our front yard. It might be even as close as knocking on your door. It's peering in your bedroom window at night when you're trying to sleep, beating its head off the window, trying to get in. You can feel its presence all around you. It's no longer going to direct your step because Almighty God and the presence of God is now on the throne. And now we receive our direction from Him and we can remain in peace and we can remain still long enough for God to move in the visitation to leave. Because you see, that's one thing about the presence of evil. It gets tired. 
And if it knocks long enough and you're not answering the door, because it is a needy spirit and it has to have a body to attach to in order to survive, it will naturally go to the next place and the next victim until it gets someone to answer the door. You see, we struggle with some of these things and these issues, a lot of us in the night, when we're alone, when we're the most vulnerable, and he was knocking all around. And then we wake up the next morning, we're like, God, I failed once again. Why did we fail? Because we opened the door or we opened the window. Because as it was knocking, the knocks had got so loud. Because the headship of God is not in his right place. Even though we may say he is. And we say all the right things and we talk the talk and we're in the house of God and we're doing things and we're serving and all these things. But because we have allowed influence, there's a relationship that we're connected to that may not just be physical, but it can be viral. It can be anything that's taken precedence in our mind that these things are coming through. These visions are being placed before us and we have opened the door for things to come into our ears because we have not taken the steps to cut off the counsel of evil and to start bringing more in the counsel of God. And we say, well, I have cut things off, but have you cut it off to the root or do you leave a source open just long enough? Well, I need, I can't remove this device or I can't take that app off my phone or I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut off this individual and this person. And it gives the enemy a foothold to come in. And he says, because we leave it open, it's because we really want to still entertain it. We don't plan on ever having God, the headship of the home. We really want to still entertain the chaos, but then we fail time and time and time again and blame it on everything else around us, but it's not everything else around us. It's ourself because we're selfish and we still need an avenue to fulfill our own self-lust. And the Lord says, we can stop this right here, right now. If you will allow me to cover these wounds and if you will allow me and to come into my presence and if the relationships that you have are based off the word of God and we start mapping our life from a day to day basis in accordance with God's word, those things will start to be pushed out of our life. And the more that they are pushed out, the more God is allowed to be able to come in. Because you see, God will fill as much room as what you make for Him. That's why I'm thankful to serve in a church and under the leadership of the pastoral leadership here and with Brother Chad because he's a man of vision. He knows that if he makes the room, God will fill it. Too many people don't want to make the room for God because they're afraid nothing's ever going to fill it. Or they get tired of waiting for the room that they have made, so they leave, they make these little escape routes. They, they've always got an escape route. 
If it don't, if this don't work out, I still got this website. If it don't work out, I still got this media device. If it don't work out, I still got her phone number, baby. I still got his phone number. Might not be on speed dial. Maybe I deleted it off my phone, but I kept the digit somewhere buried in a mason jar in the backyard so I can dig it back up in a desperate time of need. You'll never receive the full deliverance of God in your life if you keep the escape route open. And God, through relationship with Him, first... We'll build a relationship with others in the kingdom of God. And as you start to grow more in the knowledge of God and in our relationship with Him, as we start to say yes to Jesus and no to the world, when we start to more and more say yes to the plan and the truth of God, and we start saying more no to the plan and the schemes of the enemy and the things of the past, the more freedom from God that you will be able to walk in. In your day-to-day life. What a blessing. That we serve a God. It's a heavenly father that sits on the throne. That has everything in life that we could ever imagine. Just at his fingertip. The peace, peace of God. Joy. Finances. You say, is he going to make me a millionaire? Maybe, probably not. I don't know. I'm not a millionaire and I, and I struggle with things, but I have just what I need. And I thank God and I can be satisfied today with, with just what I need. Do you want more? Absolutely. But it's not my main focus any longer. You see, and the more God becomes a focus, these things just start pouring off from Him. It's oil. From the throne of heaven that starts to pour upon our life by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to equip us for the work of God. And as we become more submissive to God and His plan, He will use you more and more. And the amount of your usefulness will be directly related to the type of relationships in which you have formed. And the very first is with your Heavenly Father. And allowing the presence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the meditation of His Word to become more richly engraved in our life on a day-to-day basis. And that is a discipline. <coughs> Church, you say, <clears throat> I want the power of God just to set me free from this struggle right now. He'll set you free right now. I promise you. I can't promise you the Word of God. If you want to be set free tonight... And you say yes to Jesus, the power of God will come upon you in this very moment. And it ain't going to be just from laying on of hands. It's going to be because your heart's bent toward God and you want to be set free. And when you truly reach out from that place, see Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices are God, our broken spirit and contrite heart. Oh God, that will not despise. That's a place of humility. That's a place of submissiveness. And the Lord says, Acts three nineteen, turn to God that your sins will be blotted out. That, that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. He promises it now. My God is an instant God. He will heal you now. 
But it's what happens after this moment. See, is what's going to dictate the next steps. He'll set you free right now. But as we're not being discipled and we're not coming in the close proximity of God and God's people. And see, we don't understand. We never learn about forgiveness. We never learn about obedience. We never learn about thankfulness. We never learn about becoming a man or a woman that has godly relationships. And then we don't learn boundaries with what we're going into next week. We're not be able to experience the freedom of God because when we go back out into the world, because God sets you free in a place, in an atmosphere, in a, in a specific time that was meant for you because you go back out and these spirits are still everywhere. They're knocking on the door. They're following you down the street. They're at the front door of the church. They're right there right now just waiting to pounce. Hey, This is a growing process. The Christian life is about growth. It's about time. It's about discipline. Oh. But as addicts, as men and women, we've been addicted for things for so long, and because we're so selfish, we want things right now. And here's the thing when we want it right now, it's really a sure sign. That you really don't want it at all. Because when you, when, you, when you want it right now, they're saying, no, just give it to me right now so I don't have to do anything. Because I'm too selfish to give you anything back. I'm so selfish, I need it right now and I need you to fix it right now. And then I need to have no struggle from this moment forward. Because I'm so selfish, I can't give you anything back. God. I can't read. I can't, I can't dedicate time out of my day for you. I can't spend time in prayer. I can't be saying yes to all these things. I just need you to do it for me right now. He will do it for you right now in this moment. But you'll never keep it until we start learning how to say yes to God. And we learn how to live life together and to be obedient to God. And the more and more that we become submissive and obedient to Him, the more and more of His plan can begin to unfold in our life. And the more and more freedom that you can walk in outside of the control of another. And I pray that that touches you tonight in some way. As I believe that this ministry has been called Evansville. To call wandering and wayward spirits home. To call even the children of God that have maybe been hurt and they've been wounded into a place of home. To where they can feel loved. To where they can mature and grow in the presence of God around godly men and women that want to love and fellowship with them to the capacity that God desires for us to be able to fellowship and have relationship in the community and the church. And I believe as we become more susceptible to His love and we begin to love each other more and we're all in different places and different seasons of life, but when we're satisfied in the season that we are, oh, and when we become more submissive to God and His plan and we maintain the counsel of God and the fellowship of God, He's going to break things off in your life that you've struggled with for years that you've never thought you could be break free, broke free from. 
No matter what it is, if it takes precedence over him and it's holding you back and it has become a stumbling block, will be removed in the presence of God. And I pray for his presence here tonight. And that as we take his presence with us, that you have testimonies this week of God's deliverance, of his unmerited favor in your life, that things that you've struggled with, of thoughts, dreams, things that have come that you've dealt with in those times of alone, God will give you the victory. And he will give you the victory the more that you press into him. So we're going to take a few moments for prayer tonight. And I'm going to ask if there's something that you're struggling with, that you desire to be delivered from, that you come and receive prayer tonight. And I don't have to pray with you. Brother Chad don't have to pray with you, Eddie, any of us. We'd like to pray with you. But all you need is to come into contact with Almighty God. And you can do that right there where you sit, if God so leads you to do so. But make sure you don't leave this place carrying the same weight that you come in with. Make sure tonight, if you desire to be set free, make this a calendar date that you can write down in the front of your Bible that will be remembered to span eternity and generations to come. And if you will get connected and plugged in, God will do a miracle in your life. Oh, amen. Starting to lose my voice. Uh, I love you all. And uh, I just want us all to be able to experience the best of God. Amen. He's a good father, church. He's been good to us. We still may be struggling tonight with things, but we're not struggling with what we used to, and He wants to take all of the struggle out of it. When we're striving in our own strength, it becomes so hard and life becomes a drudgery. See, God is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He said, I want to take the striving out of it for you. If you give it to me, and if you leave it on me long enough, I'll cover and heal that wound. And it's not going to ever be an issue again. Precious blood has washed away the stain.